Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your host, Mati, and joining me today is my good friend, Ian Anderson, former co-host of this here little podcast, right? What's up, guys? Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm good. Welcome back. It's always great to have you. It's great to be here. Okay. (laughs) And also joining us is our great friend and former teammate, Johnny Kemps. Hello. Johnny, how are you doing today? It's really good to be here. I've heard the podcast, but it's cool to be on it. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Awesome. So this week, we'll be running through the Amazon Studios film, Britney Runs a Marathon. And I think this is going to be a particularly special episode because as of last week, all three of us are officially registered for the 2020 Boston Marathon. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So on April 20th, 2020, we will all be towing the line. And I'm honestly super excited that it's you guys that I get to tow the line with. Um, But for now, I just want to talk about each of our journeys, you know, to qualifying for the marathon and then the similarities or maybe more so the differences between our experiences and what we see in this new film, Brittany Runs a Marathon. So I think this episode is going to be a little bit different than most episodes. We'll be talking a lot more about running than the usual episode, but we'll definitely be sure to talk about the film and what worked and what maybe didn't work and all of that. So as always, we'll warm up with spoiler-free thoughts on the film, and then we'll run into spoiler territory where we can talk freely about the ending and some of the more specific things. Run into spoiler-free. Yeah, it's a pun, Ian. <laughs> did, did, did you also notice that I said we'll warm up with spoiler-free section? Oh, no. oh I'd miss that. Uh, I don't warm up. That's good. That's good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my niche, guys. Okay. And finally, time permitting, we'll round out our episode with our point two section where we discuss what else we've been watching. But before we begin, I do want to just plug in a little fundraiser that I started. I'll be raising money for ALS in honor of our late college coach, Bruce Lehane. There's a lot of charity runners out there that raise a ton of money for really awesome charities, um, and then that allows them to be able to register for the marathon. But since I was already qualified, I wanted to do a performance-based marathon. So I'm just asking for small pledges based on the number of minutes that I finish the marathon in under three hours. For example, if you pledge $1 a minute and I run 240, which is my goal, that'll be $20. And that all goes to the ALS Therapy Development Institute. And if this is something you can afford, please consider pledging. Any small amount would be great. The fundraising site can be found at pledgeit.org slash run dash Boston dash ALS. And I'll provide a link in the show notes. All right. So let's get started. First, just a quick synopsis of Brittany Runs a Marathon. This very, very quick. A young woman decides to make positive changes in her life by training for the New York City Marathon. Wow, that's deep. Yeah, it's, that's the synopsis. <laughs> that was enough to get me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so Brittany Runs a Marathon stars Jillian Bell as Brittany, and it is written and directed by Paul Downs Colizo. I'm done with the drinking, I'm done with the smoking. 50,000 people from around the world are racing today. I want to run the New York City Marathon. I think that is such a good idea. Hmm. That's a bad omen. They love to keep Hold it! Us Hold it! This? Oh, thank you so much. I'm really good at making profiles. God, woman. It's not that bad. I'm just going to give you mine, okay? Do you know how to spell herpes? This is my last word. life the world told me i was lazy because the way i looked i was trying to turn my life around everything's gonna be fine people help doors for me i'll hold doors for you this is my last word you changing your life was never about your weight hold it please it was about you taking responsibility for yourself 
We're going backwards. Ugh. All right. So Brittany Runs a Marathon is inspired by a real-life person, Brittany O'Neill. Um, she was actually roommates with the director and writer, Paul Downs Colazzo. And she did actually decide to run the New York Marathon, though the story portrayed in the film is quite a bit different than what actually went down in real life. But before we talk about that, Ian, you've had quite a history with marathons, correct? I have, yeah. She's a marathon queen over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, tell us a bit about your first marathon ever. When was that? Yeah, so my my first marathon was my, let's see, it, it was my sophomore year of high school. It was the Bob Potts Marathon in York, Pennsylvania, uh, very small, and it was the only marathon I could find that would, would accept somebody who was 15 years old. Wow. <laughs> Prodigy. I, I, really, I really just ran it as a way to like, you know, I was stuck in a rut. As 15-year-olds yeah. often are. Well, I'd be, I've been running for a while at that point. Okay. And, and I, I think, like, not just runners, but, like, anybody can sympathize with being, like, in a rut and trying to find a way out of it. So I, I just, like, went with running a marathon to try to get out of it. And, and it ended up working. And I, I ran pretty well my junior and senior year. So uh, that was my first marathon. Awesome. 341-something was the time. Nice. That's yeah. not bad, right? So how many marathons have you done total? Uh, four total now. Yeah. Okay, cool. And we'll get to... to the summer the Boston qualification in a sec. But Johnny, what about you? You've definitely weren't an early marathoner, right? No. Um, self-described 400-meter runner locked into a 5K runner's body. Okay. Um, <laughs> which I'm proud of that because I feel like I have speed. But really running a marathon was... I was that person when you say, oh, you're on the track team. And I would always say, yeah. And they were like, well, are you going to run a marathon? And I would always be like, no, like I'm good with a mile. That's yeah. enough. But then um, I have this wonderful fault and that is I'm easily peer pressured. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, my uh, fellow senior teammates, uh, one of which is sitting next to me, Mr. Ian. Hi. And two other guys, Zach and Alex, they were like, we're going to run a marathon after we graduate on track fitness in the late spring. And you should come do it, too. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know if I can commit. Okay, for people who don't know what track fitness means, why is that such a big deal? Or why is that so different than marathon training? So while there are people who run, say, a 10K in track, I ran predominantly the 800 meter this season. Um, So I was doing a lot of... The half mile. The half mile. Roughly a half mile. Um, but it's it's a lot like it's speed work. Um, it's a lot faster paced, shorter distance, quite the opposite of the marathon. So what's the furthest you ran before running the marathon? The furthest I ever ran was 15 miles. It's pretty crazy. So most people usually do like at least one 20 miler. Yeah, I ran the 15 miler a couple weeks before just to like shock myself into being in the mindset of running a marathon. Yeah. At like six and a half minute, like six minute and 30 second pace. Okay, and how did the marathon go? Which which marathon did you run? I ran the Lake Placid Marathon. We did like a little senior trip after we graduated, um, me and the boys. Um, super awesome. We rented a little Airbnb. Um, kind of a sketchy place, but very sketchy. But I... like super fun at the same time. Kind of like an abandoned ski lodge. <laughs> Imagine that. And all the doors are unlocked? Yes. Um, but this, this lodge was nice. It was nice to just spend it with the boys. Like I needed them there. 
And we ran the Lake Placid Marathon together. Um, and I'm very proud to say that we swept the podium. We went one, two, three. Nice. Nice. Wow. Who was who was one? Uh, I was one. Um, and then Alex was second and Zach was third. Um, Ian was with us <laughs> up until <laughs> mile. And Ian was I want to say 16. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a little after sixteen. Sixteen to eighteen. I, I I remember being there and being like, Oh my god, Johnny's never run this far. He's done. <laughs> and I thought I was done too, because then Alex um went ahead of us. He took off at mile twenty. Um and I caught him at twenty five point two. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I, um it was super fun, but it was even better to just go one, two, three with your teammates and brothers for life. Um yeah. that was the biggest thing. So what was your time? Two forty three. So that is definitely the fastest amongst us for qualifying times, correct? Uh, the, the three of us. And the qualifying time for our age group is three hours. So you got it by quite a bit. I was super happy to get the BQ, the Boston qualifier, mostly because even though I didn't think I could do it necessarily, I, I thought that was such a lofty goal to go after. And it at least gave, it got me so excited because this is, we grew up run, like watching the Boston Marathon. Um, and to be a part of it would be a dream come true. So once I committed to actually running a marathon, I was like, go big or go home. Like, you got to make it to Boston or nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, Ian, <laughs> how, did, how did the Lake Placid Marathon go for you? Yeah, I had a very different experience. <laughs> like Johnny said, I was with them going through mile 16. And then I guess 16 is the last mile I can fully remember. After that, it was just a blur. Okay, before you continue, I I want a general rough estimate, like a number of cups of water that you had going into mile 16. Oh, going into mile 16, none. This is a tip for any for anybody, not just runners and people like people who exercise. Like you just should drink water. It's a thing that normal people should do. I didn't do it. <laughs> for reference, I believe. I can speak for myself, but I think Alex and Zach are on the same page. By mile 16, each of us had had over 10. And Ian's at zero, if you're keeping score, (laughs) for cups of water slash Gatorade slash food. I thought it was going to slow me down. I was like, who's going to stop for water in a a race? Yeah, you know, I think that's really good logic, if you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I got through mile 16, started to not feel too great. Everything went went blurry for a while, was staggering all over the, the road. I had a couple race officials drive up next to me and ask if they they could uh, they could get me into the car and drive me back, bring me to a medical tent or something. And I kept saying no. I just like asked them to pour water over me while I was running. Somehow I made it to the finish line. Not in a Boston qualifying time, but uh, I did it. <laughs> you finished it, yeah. So what happened next? At no point after the marathon was I like, oh, I guess I didn't qualify for Boston. Like, as soon as I crossed the finish line, my dad came up to me with, like, five different marathons of, of that, could, that I could do uh, to qualify for Boston by the end of the summer. And so I, I chose a p- couple out of there. I had two planned for the summer, and I only, only ended up ne- needing one, so that was nice. I, I trained through after the Lake Placid Marathon. And I, I did I did the Drakewell Marathon in Titusville, Pennsylvania. So it was a destination marathon. Oh yeah, this is the. Don't quote me on this, but I, I'm pretty sure this is the site of the first oil well in America. Their pride and everything is uh, plastic and oil, and the run was around an oil factory. So it was scenic. It was gorgeous. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the environmentalist in me 
would never want to visit this town. Yeah, but I took their money. I took 200 bucks of their money because I won the race. How much did you pay for the race? $60. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was 140 profit, and then the 140 went to buying a new cat. Oh, so it didn't go to spending $205 to qualify for the Boston No, it definitely should have. (laughs) But, well, congratulations. Again, like I said, I'm really glad that you got it around. And I think if I had failed the first time, or I don't want to say failed, but like not gotten the qualifying time Mm -hmm. the first round, I would have just quit. So it's really impressive. It was tough. That you were able to do two marathons in what, like two months, three months? That's a really good point because like going into it, we had just finished our season two. And Ian was like, like we were just working with what we had and we didn't have a lot of time to just build up and become better. And Ian Mm -hmm. was like, no, I'm going to get this. And we were all like, dude, maybe you should just take a break, you know, wait it out. And he was like, no, I'm going after it. And he got it. And we were all stoked for him. Yeah. And so as much as we're going to tease you about (laughs) not drinking water, I'm still very impressed that you qualify. What was your time? It was 249 something. And I, I will add... I drank 25 cups of water. Did it slow you down? Maybe. It could have. Yeah, I guess you you don't know. Is that your PR? Oh. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my journey to Boston was I decided that I wanted to qualify for Boston 20. I think, actually, before we even graduated, some of the older guys on my team kind of set a goal of everybody was going to reunite and qualify for Boston 2020. So I had that in the back of my mind, even though that ended up not really happening. There aren't too many people that are older than me that have qualified, but I always had that in my mind. And then I decided that it was going to be a good goal to set because it wasn't so early before graduate or at right after graduation, but it also wasn't so far away that like I was going to get lumpy. So I ran on October 7th, 2018 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So one year after I graduated about, um, I ran the Twin Cities Marathon in Minnesota and I qualified with a 248 high. So just a little faster than Ian. I don't know if we have like heats or anything, but we'll be very close if we do, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Wait, I can't start with you guys? I'm sure you can. Like, I'm sure there's like corrals and then like we just get to pick our corral, right? There's Like, like a below 250 corral and we'll be in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure there's like a pro section, but none of us are going to be in that. So it's fine. But yeah, I I remember the marathon being a ton of fun. That marathon specifically, I want to give it a shout out because it's not Boston, but it is one of the largest marathons. So there was people the entire way cheering you on, which I thought was awesome. Like, Ian, for your last one, didn't you, weren't you just like alone and like put headphones in? I had my headphones in, listened to podcasts uh, for for the whole marathon. And I saw my parents like twice. Wow. Yeah, I don't think I could have done that. Like, the only thing that was getting me through it was the people cheering. And then something to know about the Twin Cities Marathon is that, well, okay, so for any marathon, there's like the 20-mile wall, right? You're like, oh, I'm doing okay, all things considered. And then you hit 20 miles and you're like, oh, my God, this is the hardest six miles (laughs) of my life, right? I don't know if you guys experienced that. It was miles 15 to 20 that really got me. And then once I got to 20, I was like, oh, yeah, baby, let's go. Okay, interesting. Well, I know that's not typical. The last six miles of the Twin Cities Marathon are almost exclusively uphill, which was brutal. (laughs) So maybe Boston will be better, but I've also heard that the last six miles of Boston are really, really terrible. So we'll see how that goes. One thing I want to ask before we move on to talking about Brittany's marathon, what are your goals for the marathon? I I guess my my sort of 
it, it's not really a goal. It's just something that I would like to do is run like 235 or under. Oh, God. Okay, so I'm not running with you. Oh, really? My goal is 240. <laughs> My goal is also 240. Um, also, just to finish a Boston Marathon is yeah, quite that, an accomplishment. That, that, that's the big thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think in order, my goals are finish, don't chafe, make it not rain, and run 240 in that order. Yeah, mine are finish, drink fluids, and run under 235. So maybe you do want it to rain, and you'll just like absorb the water that way. <laughs> is that the way it works? Yeah. yeah. I just hope I go into this marathon with the same innocence of the first one. The same sense of like, we're just here to have fun um, and not think about it and just have a really nice time doing it and not not worry and go with that same state of mind that I had that first marathon and not be overwhelmed by the fact that you're running 26.2 miles and more just embrace the the grind of it all. Um, so if I can do that, I'll be happy with my race. Yeah, I have like a mentality with marathoning now that the marathon ironically isn't the hardest part. It's all the training up to it. Totally. Once you do the training, then you just do it and you're like gonna do it and it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck maybe for three hours or if you're unlucky, four hours or however long your goal is. But like once you put in all that effort, you're not gonna not do it mm -hmm. unless there's some extreme medical circumstances or yeah. whatever. That's true. So it's one of those things that like it can only be so bad. It's just the thing I'm super not looking forward to is waking up in the mornings or going out for a run when it's 20 degrees. Oh, that's in my favorite part. And pitch dark. And I dark. love that. It makes yeah. me feel like a badass. Does it? Yeah. I, I'm okay with not being a badass <laughs> anymore. My badass days are behind me. <laughs> I'm okay with getting nine hours of sleep and then running in 70 degree weather. So You know what's going to happen? Going to have yeah. to happen? Treadmill? No. Oh. We're going to need to like keep each other accountable. Yeah, like, for sure. Like at six in the morning, we're going to both be up. If we have to, or when we get home from work at the end of the day, mm -hmm. be like, hey, get your shoes on. I'm running by your house. <laughs> Luckily, I only live a half mile away from Mati. Yep. And so does Ian. And so... about a half mile from Ian too, but in a different direction. Yeah. So we're all really close and I think we're going to be training quite a bit together, hopefully to keep ourselves honest. I think what we should do is move in together and tell Boston so we can hold each other accountable. Do like a training camp? Yes. Ooh, we should actually, we should just legit do like a training camp like the week before. That actually no, because we're tapering the week before. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, like to build. Yeah, I get wasted. <laughs> <laughs> to build like morale, you know, like a oh, retreat. Yeah, I, I vibe with that. I vibe with that. <laughs> build morale with the three of us. Yeah, build morale with the three of us and do our three mile runs for the week before. <laughs> it's gonna be a glorious week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, did you guys cry at the end of your marathon? Because I definitely cried at the end of my marathon. I cried for like the last like eight miles of Lake Placid. Oh, so <laughs> definitely not what I was going for. I think it's a different kind of cry. Yeah. I think um, if I want to get like a little sentimental here for a second, based on that, you know, the, the ALS fundraiser that I mentioned at the beginning, um, our coach has like, he passed away pretty quickly after I graduated my senior year. And I think in the middle of your guys's senior year, or junior year or whatever. And after the marathon, I was just like, wow, I just did something crazy. Like very few people do a marathon and I never would have done that without Bruce. And like, it started getting me to think like about everything that this man has done for me and, and just running in general. And I absolutely love that. So just wanted to say that too. And I'm sure I'm going to cry at the end of the Boston marathon because it's the Boston fucking marathon. Yeah. So geez, well now I might cry. Just like right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, so let's move on to the film that we're going to be talking about today. All three of us had very different experiences from Britney's in the film. We were all already runners. We weren't starting from scratch. And it also kind of wasn't a decision for us to run the marathon that stemmed from like a place of self-improvement or anything like that, at least not physically. So let's dive into Britney's specific story. And just in general, Johnny, what did you think about this movie? Um, Well, going into it, I thought it was... I just thought it was going to be hilarious because it's Britney runs a marathon, which sounds kind of like a children's book title. But then you look <laughs> and it's rated R. So you're like, this is this has to be some like there's something here. Yeah. And so before I even looked into a synopsis or anything or like a like a review, I was like, oh, my gosh, this probably could be fucking hilarious. And it was about running, too. And so but in general, it really was that it was all the emotions that all of us feel as runners, maybe if you're watching this movie and you're not a runner, you won't feel that same thing. But I think they did a decent job. But it was also this hilarious, just a hilarious show at the same time on top of being a little bit emotional. Nice. What about you, Ian? What did you feel? Yeah, I, I really loved this movie, too. I thought it was also hilarious, like Johnny said. But um, the the big thing I took away from it was, you know, like everybody has their thing. Um, this isn't really like, I didn't see it as a movie that was like being preachy, like you should run to improve your life, which like for a lot of people, you can run to improve your life. But for a lot of people, it's other things. It's writing, it's reading, it's listening to music, it's playing video games or whatever. And I really liked that this was like about Brittany finding her thing that made her feel better about herself, turned her life around. And that was the, that was the big main takeaway that I found. And I, I loved that. Yeah, that's great. So I'm maybe a little less positive than you guys, but I did still overall enjoy the film. I thought Jillian Bell was really good, which was a little bit of a surprise to me because I found her really obnoxious in 22 Jump Street. And I thought here her humor was a lot more grounded and it wasn't like annoying. She was funny and like, yeah, just a great presence to be around, Mm -hmm. but she was also flawed and she was a human being that had problems and those problems weren't just easily solved or anything like that. So I really admired her as a character. Yeah. I thought there was two kind of, I would say main problems that I had with the film. One is super selfish and it's just that I was hoping for more running stuff. Um, I think I really love the beginning when she first starts running and I really love the end when she's Spoiler, when she's running the marathon. But in the middle part, it the marathon and the training for the marathon takes more of a sideline to her more personal journey, which one would argue is a better film, probably, and like a more accessible film. But I was really hoping that this would really dig into the idea of training for a marathon and the highs and lows that come with that and being part of a community and all of this stuff. So I felt a little disappointed that that took the sideline and it was more of like Ian, like you said, it was more of a metaphor for that thing that everybody, that anybody can do to better themselves. Mm -hmm. So I acknowledge that that's not necessarily the best complaint, but it is, I did definitely leave it being like, well, I don't know. I could have seen her train more and like, how far did she run before she ran the marathon and what was her goal pace and, you know, all that stuff. but. The other small, well, I don't know if it's small problem, but I felt like a lot of the film was written in a way where they 
told you things instead of showed it to you. And I think a lot of that comes from Colasio's background as a playwright, where that's like a lot more common is that, you know, you're you're on a stage so you can't really do m- many flashbacks or anything like that. So a lot of people just state character motivations or state mo- like even in this film they kind of there's one scene in particular that they just state the theme of this movie. Which, which scene are you ta- it is it spoilery? Um it's towards the end. Yeah. Okay. So we can we can talk a little more about specifics. But do you any other examples of like the the telling and not showing? So there's a scene where she's talking with her roommate, the the like the guy roommate, whatever yeah. his name is, Hearn or Turn or something. Jern. 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 That was close. Where um they're just kind of talking about um they're just talking pretty superficially about the trauma that they experienced from being children of divorce. Oh. And I yeah. felt that that was pretty overt as opposed to being more subtle and just like experiencing them talk about something and having that kind of come out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think it necessarily ruins the film or anything like that, but I did notice it as one of those things where I was like, oh, this is like, they're kind of just saying things that I don't think like, it, it's weird because there's, there's large portions of the film that have a ton of dialogue that feels very natural, mm-hmm. but then there's certain moments where they're sort of like, oh, we need to, we need to get that point out and they don't, I don't think it's handled that gracefully. Yeah, I I would actually say, at least in that specific example, that's just the kind of person that Brittany was. Mm-hmm. Like, she was just, like, spewing, like, everything that she had on her mind. She wasn't really the, the kind of type to hold things back. Yeah. So so I, I didn't really see that as, you know, a, a problem on the, the storyteller's fault. I mean, I, I guess I see that. I just... That's not the only example. I feel like there's other examples. Yeah, I'm sure there are. um, You know, same with like some of the supporting characters having a why are you running quote or like just little dialogue that, Mm -hmm. oh, why is this guy, why is her her friend the guy, whatever his name is, like he just kind of explicitly says, yeah, Seth, Mm -hmm. just says his character motivation and so does the the woman. Catherine. Uh, Thank you. You you just know all the names, Johnny. <laughs> Moneybags Martha. Yeah, Moneybags Martha. <laughs> I really loved that character. Uh, I loved her character. I did too, actually. Um, so like, yeah, I, I just thought that there was not a whole bunch of subtlety in terms of giving the characters motivations and then the resolution of those motivations. Mm-hmm. But I did really enjoy the film's um, general flow and story arc and everything like that. Yeah. And I will say that there's not too many running movies and I think that this one does a pretty good job at getting some of those feelings mm. about it. Johnny, you mentioned that. Do you want to go a little more specific about what you meant by the emotions of running? Yes. Running is like a strong love. No matter how passionate you are about it, you kind of feel the same thing in that it's it's going to drive you crazy sometimes. It's going to be the best part of your day. Sometimes it's the worst part of your day. Um, mm-hmm. And like a big reason that I really vibe with this movie was because I stayed in the sport of running for so long, not because I was just fast at it, but because of the community I found with it and how those relationships kind of ebb and flow and how sometimes you have great moments with them. And sometimes they're your biggest support system while you're running is also the people you, you push out. And that part really got me the, the parts of the movie where Brittany's training for this marathon and 
she has frustrating days for various reasons. And she either has this wonderful support group that she welcomes in finally. And then she also has these moments where she pushes them out. And that's so hard to watch, but because it was that real. Um, and I thought it was really cool that they captured the emotions of something way bigger than running and how running is a group effort. Brittany didn't run this marathon alone. Um, and I think the movie did a pretty good job capturing that um, and displaying it in a way that people who aren't runners, um, audiences that aren't runners will still appreciate. One of the things that I also really liked about this film is that it separates self-improvement into physical and mental. And it's actually pretty surprising. I, one of the things, this is maybe a little spoilery, but there's not really any relapse from her in terms of when she decides to run the marathon or when she decides to start training, she just does. And then she keeps going at it. And the running part of it actually goes really well for almost the entire film. There's no like, there's no like back give and take, like, oh, I want to go out and drink and, and whatever. Like, she, yeah, she's very strong in her commitment, actually. It's impressive. Yeah. But where she's a little weaker is the, the mental self-improvement and dealing with the ideas of accepting other people. And I thought that that was really smart that they were like, hey, just because you're improving physically, that doesn't necessarily mean that mental fitness will come right away. So you need to work on both of those things as self-improvement. And I'll leave it at that for now because I do want to mention that again in spoilers. Well said. Yeah, but, I want to talk about that in spoilers. Okay, <laughs> okay. maybe maybe we, sh we should just talk a little bit more about this movie in spoilers, like just kind of jump in. Is there anything you guys want to say in summary about this? Why don't we go around and just summarize what we think about this, maybe give it a rating out of 10, and whether you would recommend it to people to go see in theaters, um, knowing, again, that this is an Amazon Studios film, so it'll likely be on Amazon Prime in a month or two. Yeah, I, I would probably recommend people wait to see it on Amazon Prime. I really liked it, but it's you can definitely tell that it's an Amazon movie. You can definitely yeah. tell it's a streaming service kind mm -hmm. of movie. It, it's great, though. I recommended it to my parents right away because a lot of the things that... They they do a lot of like self-deprecating humor with their running. They've been runners for years, but they still don't consider themselves runners when they talk to me. And that's something that I really liked about this this movie was, you know, Brittany has like a really mean roommate and she's always like, oh, you're doing like that running thing. And she treats Brittany like she's not an actual runner. And then like Brittany like eventually like stands up to her and is like yeah, i know i like i'm a serious runner like i'm doing a freaking marathon i i think we'll especially stand out to other runners like my parents like maybe they'll watch it and be like yeah like we're we've run half marathons and stuff we're freaking runners um but it'll also help other people with like i guess finding their thing and being like yeah i'm i'm doing this not just as like a, a hobby but it's like a part of me you know yeah, one of the things that I, I don't know about if you guys agree with this, but I get a lot when I am talking about running to people um, as like a D1 athlete or a former D1 athlete, we're better than the average person. So when you say people's times, they are like, oh, wow, that's so crazy, whatever. I I don't even want to tell you my mile time because it's it's probably twice as slow as you or whatever. And I the thing I really love about running, and I think this film does a really good job, doing is that it's a very personal sport and it's all mm -hmm. about relative perspective. Mm -hmm. So like a goal of Britney's at the beginning, this is true of her, the real life Britney too, was just running down the block. And like as somebody who 
is clearly able to run down the block, I still found that incredibly profound and yeah. respectful that anybody will go out there and put themselves out there in public and set a goal for themselves and achieve it. Mm. And I really like that running can be so, um, it's all about perspective. Like there's people that are significantly faster than me, you know, there's mm. people that are significantly faster that, uh, than us that would hate running the times that we're running in the marathon. They would consider it a terrible time, Yeah, you know? But I thought that that's a good point. Like, I think this film does a really good job at showing the universality of running. A track man is a good man, as my high school coach would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really well said, Mati. Running welcomed me in when I was lost, poor at other sports, um, not aggressive enough for other sports, literally getting physically beat up in that sport. Lacrosse. Yeah, I played lacrosse. <laughs> if you see me now, you'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> um, but it welcomed me in then, and it celebrated me when I won my first marathon. It 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 really is such a deeply personal experience, and nobody's going to experience it the same way. And I think that's so beautiful that people come from different backgrounds to to do this human achievement. I know the running a marathon is a little bit cliche as like a human achievement, but God, if you watch the Boston Marathon, it's it's hard to think of that as anything trivial. You you yeah. you feel it, even if you're watching on TV. I remember when I lived back in Texas, and when I watched the Boston Marathon on TV, you feel it. And when you watch it in person, you're shaking. Yeah, you're in awe. Yeah. Um, and so this this movie did that really well. And I also really, honestly, just appreciated the lightheartedness of it at the same time in these deep moments. The first thirty minutes. I was cackling. Yep. <laughs> like solid. It, they had funny parts throughout it, but they had a solid first 30 minutes of jokes. Like Britney was on fire. Like I was like, who is this girl? Like she's killing it right now. She's roasting people. She's roasting herself. She's, I don't even, I won't spoil any jokes obviously, but like just great job with the humor, I think was a big takeaway. Like yeah. the first thing I tell people when I say I saw this movie last weekend is, like, it was really fucking funny, um, at least for the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's kind of my, like, major takeaway. And the rest was, like, kind of takes you on a little bit of a roller coaster in a tell-don't-show way. Yeah, Like, for sure. that is, like, my synopsis of it. Okay, so, Johnny, what would you rate this out of 10? You can use point fives. Um, I would give it a... I tend to like things. Mati knows this. I'm always, like, enamored with whatever I'm doing. Whatever I see. If I see a show with him, it's always, like... He's always like, oh, it was all right here in my critiques. And I'm like, no, it was perfect. <laughs> except <laughs> um, for It Chapter 2, right? Except for It Chapter 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would give it a 7.5 out of 10, though. Awesome. Um, Yeah, maybe an 8, but I think 7.5 is more accurate. All right, Ian? I think I would give it an 8. Okay. Cool. Mostly for the like the last like ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Yeah, well, I did yeah. cry in the last yeah, ten minutes. I, was, um, I actually had tears in my yeah, eyes. I had tears running down my face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna get to that in a second. I will just summarize that. Actually, I'm also at about the same as you guys. I'm I, I'm gonna give this a seven, which for me is a solid movie. It's not necessarily a movie I ever need to see again because it's not the most unique movie. And I think that if they had leaned into the running a little bit more, it could have been unique. But a lot of it is it's still going, it, you know, it's a very feel-good Pat movie. Good things happen at the end. Everybody is better off and it's happy and it's cute. And so... You'll laugh. You'll yeah. cry. We'll have a good time. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but same with Ian. Like, you definitely don't need to see this in the theater. Um, like, you don't need to pay like $14 or whatever yeah. if you're in Boston to go see it, especially if you have Amazon Prime. But I would definitely recommend checking this out on like a weekend or a weeknight or whatever, because it's also like an hour and 40 minutes. So it's yeah, not, not a huge commitment. Yeah. You could hate it and, you know, just be Life done, would be go done on. with it. Yeah. You could watch this twice and during your marathon yeah. if you wanted to. But okay, so let's move on. We'll just quickly do spoilers, I think. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, and you can listen to this too. Like, I don't think the spoilers ruin this film at all. But just in case no. you don't want to listen to it, you can turn it off. So spoilers for Britney Runs a Marathon starting now. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. The first thing I want to say is that she low-key ran a pretty fast marathon. Yeah. Right? Did you ever look up her actual time? So, yeah, I did look up, like, the actual Britney's actual time. Yeah. So, um, Britney, she didn't actually run a marathon when Paul Downs Colasio started writing the script. He was like, oh, hey, I'm going to write this, you know, this thing about, and it's called Britney Runs a Marathon. It's going to be kind of semi-autograph or autobiographical about you. And the first thing that she asked him, like after what the title of the movie is, mm-hmm. is how fast does she run the marathon? <laughs> um, and so I don't remember quite what the exact time was in the movie, but um, she did eventually run the New York City Marathon, like as he was developing the script. Yeah. And she ran 355.57. Yeah, that's just about what the screen was showing. Yeah. And that's really good. Yeah, that's so impressive, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm impressed too, <laughs> especially <laughs> considering it was about a overweight girl's journey to um running 26 miles at once. Yeah, and it wasn't like if it was anything like what they showed in the movie, like it wasn't an easy marathon for her. No, I heard or I was reading like a Runner's World article about this and it was the 2014 one and yeah. apparently it was like the windiest start of the marathon ever Great. and all of that. So Exactly. Was, this wasn't the one that Shalane won, right? If it was 2014, then no. Right? She won 2018? They showed Shalane's footage, though. From that race. In the movie. Yeah. So I think they ended up filming part of the marathon, like part of the New York City Marathon. Mm-hmm. Like they actually filmed at the New York City Marathon. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that was probably 2018. Yeah. Right? 2017. Shalane won in 2017. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know when they filmed this movie, but maybe it was it was. They showed one. a shot but, of Shalane running it in, in 2017. 2017. Oh, but was it that the one that she won? Yes. Because I thought she won by a lot when she ended up winning, right? And yes, she was, they showed her in the pack because that was that was in with, Central Park. Right? No, she won. She did her kick. It was the last five k that she separated. They showed her at about I want to say between five and ten k out from the finish. It was at five k she made the decisive move and then took off from there. Okay. Well, yeah, Shalane makes a cameo in this, <laughs> or that's it's not even a cameo. It's just like footage from the. Do your listeners know who Shalane is? Uh, she she writes cookbooks. <laughs> yeah, she's an author. She's a chef, and she's my greatest inspiration, and she's who I tried to channel when I ran my marathon. She is Shalane Flanagan, one of the greatest marathoners ever, and she happens to be from Marblehead, Massachusetts. And I think she's the first American to win the New York City Marathon in like... 40 years yeah. when she won it. First American woman in 40 years, and she writes a cookbook that I basically treat as my Bible... We love Shalane. Okay. Um, so <laughs> the actual marathon, 
in this movie only takes place in like the last 10 minutes of the movie, right? Because mm-hmm. the middle chunk of the movie ends up kind of being more, like I said, about her her life and her interpersonal relationships and everything. But I guess the one plot twist, if you want to call it a plot twist, is that she ends up getting shin splints um, and she can't run the marathon with her. No, Stress fracture. Her. Yeah, you're right. Stress fracture. Yeah, pretty nasty injury. Yeah, so she gets a stretch fracture. Um, she has to go in a boot, and she ends up not being able to run the marathon with Mar- Moneybags Martha and Steve. Seth. Seth. <laughs> Steve. Honestly, the the stress fracture was one of the most like runner moves I've ever seen. Just like she she went out in the middle of the night, just started sprinting for no reason. Like there's no there's no good reason why she should be running right then and training. Yeah, like that's just the most like runner obsessive kind of thing. Have you guys seen 127 Hours? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the James movie Franco? where he gets his arm yeah. stuck in. Yeah. Do you remember the sound effect of like when he's cutting the bone and like I remember closing my ears. I remember, yeah, I remember no, like shielding. I was like, yeah, blocking it's it It's like this out. buzzing yeah. thing. Uh, I think it would have been nuts if like that's how, like that's the sound effect that happened when she like took a step or something. Because like that's how, that's how that's a stress how fracture. That's how it feels when you have or, a stress fracture, yes. Or even shin splints, like. That's how that feels. Like it's yeah. just like this searing pain. And I wished I don't wanna I don't wanna complain because like this is a super personal complaint, but like I wish that there was more of that, like how it felt to actually train and run. Because most of her training and most of her weight loss, um, and like her improving herself physically happens in like a montage. And I thought that, that would have been really interesting because the opening scene of her like running two miles for the first time. I loved that. Yeah. I thought that scene was great. And even the run around the block when like it just starts like like getting further and further away. Mm-hmm. All of that was great. And then they kind of just jumped to, oh, now she's running the marathon. I See, I thought this was a, a very runner movie. And I, I think the reason you and I disagree on this is because you went through... I I know you had like little things, but you went through college pretty like healthy. You didn't yeah. get big injuries. But like the the biggest thing as a runner that I related to besides like the finish debacle with the marathon was when she got her stress fracture and she had to sit out from training. She couldn't do anything and she had to watch her friends, you know, succeed in this thing that she had been working towards for a year. And that was something that I related to. I was hurt for so long in college, just like missing tons of seasons. And it's so tough as somebody who trains every day with these people to see them go on and do the thing that you wanted to do. Um, that that like really stood out to me. That's a great point. Yeah, perfectly fair. Like I respect that a lot. So also to respond to you, Mati, you I don't know. Could they make the movie? be that much about like the running aspect and the emotional part like it seems like they had to pick one and they chose the emotional journey she yeah. went through yeah well that's I mean, why i'm saying it's like a personal it, complaint like i'm i don't know <laughs> and like if you did both you would half ass both whereas they went all in on the like how she was feeling and like we mentioned earlier besides the stress fracture the running came pretty easy to her mm-hmm. it wasn't like a massive struggle for her to commit to the running it was a massive struggle of her for her to commit to the accepting people and their help you know yeah yeah no i know i mean like i get what they were doing i just like i guess i set myself up for unrealistic expectations so you wanted a different movie 
Why don't you go make it, Monty? <laughs> Dude, if somebody gave me money to make like a peer running movie, I would totally make a peer running movie. Yeah, I know but <laughs> like four people would watch it and nobody cares. But um, I don't know. There are definitely I guess, people that care, but. Yeah. I mean, I guess like you're saying they like whole ass the, the emotional aspect. I just didn't find that whole emotional thing to be all that unique. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. For like that's, other films. No, it's a fair, it's so, a very fair criticism. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I do think that they did parts of it really good, but I didn't find it to be this uh, sensationally overwhelming thing. Mm-hmm. And I think I would have been more forgiving of that being pretty standard if there was this unique angle to it in, in the running stuff. But Agreed. Kind of a run of the mill inspirational movie. Yeah. While also yeah. being decently well done with the jokes. Yeah, like I think if Jillian Bell wasn't in this, then like like if you put a lifetime actor in this, then this would kind of be a lifetime movie. Like <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, I, it would be a really funny and well-made lifetime movie. Like I don't want to shit on everybody else in the movie, but like I think Jillian Bell is definitely the best part of yeah, the movie. Definitely. Yeah. They casted their lead correctly. <laughs> Do you guys want to talk about the kind of last moment of this and then move on? Sure. So you both cried. I did not. So why don't you guys take it away? <laughs> like, what was so effective about, and maybe break it down for people who haven't heard it or seen it? Yes. I mean, I, maybe it's different from what Johnny felt, but um, the big thing that got me, you know, sobbing in the theater was she she pulls off to the side during her marathon. She's cramping up, and she has a volunteer come up to her, trying to get her off the course, you know, saying things like, All right, do you want to stop? Like, we can just stop right here. And, you know, Brittany hears and sees her friends cheering um, in the crowd, and she just, like, gets going after that. Like, she, there was no way that she wasn't going to finish that marathon. And that just got me crying, like, if my mom's listening to this, she she's going to cry. But one of the things during the Lake Placid Marathon, like, I thought I was going to drop out so many times. But, like, every time I thought about it, I was thinking about how my parents made this massive drive to Lake Placid. They were basically, like, Alex, like, all of us that were there, they were, like, our pit crew for the marathon. It was incredible to have Ian's parents there. Yeah. <laughs> and there was just, like, no way in my mind that I was going to not finish this marathon that my parents came out to support me at, you know? And and that's what just, like, I was just so sad. <laughs> yeah. I really loved the ending of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was a good culmination of, you know, Brittany was so against letting people help her yeah. and bringing people in. And maybe it was a little on the nose to have somebody be like, do you need help? And then have her be like, yes. <laughs> But it, I, yeah, I, I did get really affected by it. I just happened to not cry. But mm-hmm. like, yeah, what about you, Johnny? Was that what made you tear up? Or uh, yeah, kind of. Well, in, no, in a different way. Um, there were two moments. One was when she pushed her friends out. Uh, that was just, uh, you could just see oh, they really? wanted to help her so bad. They were being so selfless, and she was like, "No, I got this on my own." And that's something that I know I've done before, and. But I, 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 I've been through it and I realize like how important your friends are and how your support, your pit crew is. Um, so when she pushed them out, that hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel for you. Like I get what you're feeling, Brittany, but I would hate to be her friends at the same time. It was just, 
That was a lot. And then again, when she's finishing the marathon, I was like, oh, here's this dramatic shot of her. You know, you can hear the heartbeat. She's coming to the finish line and doesn't go all as planned and she's collapsed. And you see her friends that just 10 minutes ago in the movie, she was pushing out and they're right there on the sidelines for her because that's what friends do. They get back up for you and they're always going to be there no matter if you want them to be there or not. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me so sad. That's really what, that's why I had like tears in, the, in my eyes at the end of the movie is because I, I could relate to that. Running has been a very selfless experience to me. And I think they captured that. And I was like, I want to be those friends that, that get <laughs> up for you. Even when people push me out, like I'm going to keep showing up for you. I was kind of inspired with that part. I was inspired to be the best friend I can, even when like, just because I'm trying to help my friend in, what if they push me out? They say, I don't want your help. I can do it on my own. I'm going to be like, okay, take a, take a breather. But then you, you know that these friends of hers knew that she was going to need it eventually. She was not, she, she could try to go on her own, but she was not about to finish the marathon on her own. And they showed that. So inspirational. I aspire to be that friend to her. To, to, I aspire to be that kind of friend to my friends. <laughs> You're going to go seek out Brittany and be her friend. <laughs> yes, yeah. Brittany, if you're out there. Listen, you need help, Brittany. <laughs> if you need help. But also, like, I need help too. So, Brittany, come help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, let's move on to our point two section where we talk about some of the other stuff we've been watching. Johnny, what have you been watching? Um, I'm a little late to the game in a way, um, but I've been watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you wanted me to talk about a movie? No, no. Whatever you've been watching, I just I know it's over, but I can't get over like how much I feel for these characters. Like, oh my god, Daenerys Targaryen, like forever in my heart. So that's what's on my mind, like in terms of entertainment and shows. Okay, so how are you like? What do you mean? Are you just like rewatching it from the very beginning or what's going on? In a way, I'm watching, I'm in season six right now because I'm a scummy person and I watch season seven first. Okay. And then one and two and then eight and then three, four, five, six. Okay. Okay. I'm the worst. <laughs> You're those people that like read the Harry Potter books out of order. Well, I, I only did this because I wanted to be part of a community. I wanted to be part of the community of people who are watching the eighth season together. Yeah, well, you should have done your homework, Johnny. <laughs> yes, I should have. Sorry, I was busy um, winning a marathon. That's, Ooh. yeah. Ooh, <laughs> cut that out, please. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out. <laughs> um, Okay, but so are you going to continue through the 7th and 8th? Like, are you going to try and watch it all the way through, or are I'll, you done after? I will watch this show, more, like, fully all the way through at least three times. Okay. Before, like, I, it, it, there's just, you could watch it again and, and pick up things you didn't get the first time. Okay, I'm, I'm interested to know what your thoughts on this are after kind of, like, the dust has settled a little bit and we're out from it. Ian, you haven't seen... You have seen part like I've seen seasons one, two, and three, and seven and eight. Okay, <laughs> that's but like so... slightly, slightly better than I'm at. <laughs> How is that? No, Maybe you've seen more. I thought you've seen all of it. I thought like like where are yeah. you right now? I have four episodes left in season six, and then you've seen everything. Yes, but I don't right. want to watch these four episodes because I don't want to be like yeah. truly have seen everything. I I want okay. it to live on as a mystery in my head. I don't want it, there to be any closure. Okay. Even though I know what happens in the end. Yeah. So now that we're like a little bit withdrawn from the end, how do you feel about the ending? I'm just curious. We'll keep it vague because, you know, maybe people haven't seen it. <laughs> but like, 
Um, there are certain parts I definitely don't like, like the last episode of the eighth season, just not a fan of, um, for various reasons, but the character development of, how much can I spoil? I don't know, that the ultimate, like what happens to Daenerys, my favorite character, I thought was absolutely gorgeous. Okay. Which a lot of people who love Daenerys disagree with that. And I think it was the most beautiful thing. I thought it was so raw and so real. And I really related to that. Okay. Interesting. Maybe we'll have to talk about it at some point. So like, her, her final action, her actions in the eighth season, I loved. I was like, this, this is the culmination of Daenerys over eight se- seasons. It's not what we expected, but when is George R. R. Martin ever given us something we really expected? All right, fuck it. We're, uh, we're going to do spoilers for Game of Thrones. So <laughs> if, if you haven't seen the last episode and you want, don't want to know what happens uh, in the last season, then skip ahead a little bit. Because, Johnny, I'm interested in, so why do you think it's so beautiful what happens to Daenerys? Because I also agree that I like what happens to her um, because probably for different reasons than you do, because I didn't really care for Daenerys for the last couple seasons. And I thought that I was always going that way. It was just pretty clumsily done. So what what was it that you thought was so poetic or beautiful about this? I know Daenerys had this beautiful character arc of her, you know, Misa, and she's the mother of dragons, the breaker of chains. She had this beautiful, like, for the people. But then Cersei pushed her one step too far. And it really, like, I still think this is one of my all-time favorite parts of it. Like, you have all the emotion. Like, I loved her dragons, too. Like, I loved that emotional connection. I love my dog, so it's like kind of the same thing. Um, sure. And so <laughs> when Cersei has successfully killed her second dragon, and then the another dragon is, you know, was the Night King's, she's got one left, Jorah's taken from, all of this is taken from her, and Masande is up there on the um, wall of King's Landing and she just says Dracarys like as in light him the fuck up and I was like yes so it was more about this relationship with Masande okay. too and how is like Daenerys I don't want you to be a good character I don't want you to be the good guy who like I'm gonna rise above the pain I'm gonna be the better person I'm like no Daenerys when they go low we go lower <laughs> we, we ruin them we burn their cities to the ground and I was like that's pretty cool you don't see that cool so what about like her getting killed by Jon Snow I mean I, I, like, that that I, didn't bother I'm more you? like indifferent on that honestly okay. it's, it's more about what I'm pissed about with Jon Snow is that why he isn't the fucking king Jon Snow should be king like he just he's the one who took it like I'm going to be a better person and I know what, what, uh, yeah, I, I know I killed Daenerys. I don't deserve it. And I don't know whatever shit was going through his mind. And that moment I wanted him to also not be this like, yeah, I don't know what I wanted him to be. It, Daenerys's death didn't bother me. I, would I want her alive? Yes. Cause I loved the character, but her dying. That's dramatic. I love dramaticism. Um, Let's move on before we kind of get into a hole with Game of Thrones. Because I feel like we could just talk about that for hours. And maybe we will, like, in like a year or something, like a retrospective or whatever. But, Ian, what have you been watching? Yeah, so most recently I finished Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6. I think I was the only person who watched it. (laughs) Yeah, I would be interested to see the Nielsen ratings on that. Like, one person in Boston, and that's it. (laughs) 
it, it had a rocky start, season six. And I and I think that's it was just like riding the lows of like seasons three, four, and five. <laughs> those those aren't bad seasons. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Agents of Shield a little bit. Granted, I haven't seen season six, but those seasons are actually pretty solid. I think there there are like just a few ridiculous things. Like if you've seen since we're since we spoiled Game of Thrones, I think it's safe for me to spoil the ending of season five of Agents of Shield. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't um, go there. But I mean, like everyone has seen Game of Thrones, and you just even said nobody's. Fine, fine. I'll so, allow it. Okay. Well, everybody who knows Coulson thinks that Coulson's dead because all they've seen of him is in Avengers. But yeah. like he he was alive again in Agents of Shield. Oh, people, so you're spoiling the season one premiere. Yeah, of, but but don't okay. worry, he died again at the end of season five. I genuinely don't remember that. Um, he had an incurable disease. He hid it from everybody, and then he just died. Oh, right. I do remember. Um, that. Yeah. Good times. So I was like, all right, this is going to be a weird like last two seasons. We don't have the only person who can really carry this show. And um, the season starts and they're like, Coulson's back, but it's not Coulson. You know, they're 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 like, Coulson is dead. But this is this is just so we can have this actor back. And the way they shoehorn it in is ridiculous. They literally say in the show the odds of this happening are like a billion to one. Like this just doesn't make sense. Okay. Like, I guess I'm just going to spoil it. There is no, like, I, I might watch it. Don't spoil <laughs> it. Okay. I won't spoil it, but, but the, the whole season is absolutely ridiculous. But if you've liked the ridiculousness of agents of shield, then you're going to like season six. There are twists and turns. There's, time travel there's space travel there's brothels for some reason there's lsd for some reason all right um and then th there's really what like everybody likes about the show chloe bennett is quake she's mm -hmm. just like an absolute badass and she still is in this show and besides like the the whole ridiculousness of colson somehow being relevant in this season the only really gripe i had with it is something that plagues like all superhero shows is they can never really figure out how to balance people having such great powers in a yeah a TV in, show with in, a budget in, in, in a t not just a TV show with a budget but in a story right right like they 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 could have unlimited budget and I still don't think that the Agents of Shield team would be able to pull off like a season that made sense with these people's powers. <laughs> like there's Yo Yo who can run as fast as the Flash apparently at sometimes. But other times she can't stop her like boyfriend from being killed by like a very slow moving bat, you know, like a a baseball bat or no, an animal. No, bat? like an animal bat. Wait, really? Somebody gets killed by an animal bat. She watches it fly across like this two hundred meter hallway. Is it a big bat? I don't. How do you die from a bat? It flies into his mouth and it yeah. explodes inside of him. Is it like a? It's actually a really gruesome, like ho hard to watch scene. Okay, um, but well, like, but like, there's no reason it should have happened. You is, what I, is my, my curiosity. That, my, my my point of it is that there's no reason any of the deaths in this show should have happened. Okay, cool. So, um, <laughs> Agents of Shield six tagline is suicidal bat, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're saying <laughs> you're saying watch it if you've seen the others, but like. 
Yeah, yeah if you've ne- if you've never seen Agents of Shield and you think that my review of season six uh, is getting you interested, don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that was honest. So <laughs> that's all we can ask for. Here. I love it though. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm definitely going to check it out, and we'll definitely talk about it. <laughs> so. The thing that I wanted to talk about was I saw the movie Hustlers. Front hook. Ankle hook. Knee hook. From here, you can do the carousel. Just switch and wrap. Minus 40% is 160. I just want to take care of my grandma, maybe go shopping every once in a while. When I was a kid, I always wanted to work with animals. <laughs> I was close. These Wall Street guys. You see what they did to this country? They stole from everybody. Hardworking people lost everything. And not one of these douchebags went to jail. The game is rigged, and it does not reward people who play by the rules. It's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, the stripper movie with all of those ladies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so not Magic Mike is what you're saying? Yeah. Like the stripper movie that's not Magic Mike? It's yeah. like a mix of like... It's the Ocean's 8 of Ocean's Magic 8, Mike. yeah, that's what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah. So it's not like that at all, actually. <laughs> but um, this movie got like a ton of buzz coming out of TIFF. Mm-hmm. which is the Toronto International Film Festival. And like everybody was like, wow, this movie's fantastic. And Jennifer Lopez is fantastic. And she should get an actress nomination yeah, for Oscar and everything like that. And I didn't really get this movie. Like I thought it was wildly fine. Like it was like, okay, yeah, that was that was good. But I did not really understand the rave reviews about this. Um, so, I have a question about it. Yeah. Um, how is Lily Reinhardt? Uh, the girl from from Riverdale. Riverdale. Yeah, she's fine. She's not in it much. Okay, but she's perfectly fine. She's say, I've never seen her in a thing other than Riverdale, in which she's just like an innocent. Yeah. So, yeah. So this film is about like a group of strippers that decides to like break bad and rob, drug and rob their clients, like these really wealthy clients, and take all the money. Um, but like all of that criminal stuff is in the back third of the movie, and the first two thirds of the movie are more just like a story about female friendship kind of between Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. Uh, And then like some of the other girls are kind of like orbiting the nuclear family that is Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. And I didn't really find the movie to be that interesting. Like I didn't find the whole relationship between those two that interesting. And I think the reason is because the film is really, really choppy in the sense where like it's it's kind of like this epic, like The Departed or Wolf of Wall Street or whatever, but it's squeezed into an hour and 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. So things happen really, really quickly. So it's like Constance Wu is working at the strip club and she's friends with Jennifer Lopez and she's kind of like Jennifer Lopez is her sort of like mother figure and they're having this great old time. And then the recession of 2008 hits and then it fast forwards a couple years and then they're talking like, oh, wow, do you remember how great we were together? And like, I miss you and all this stuff. And that happens in like 15 minutes of the movie. So like the characters are nostalgic about 
moments in time that I don't give a shit about because I only saw it for like 10 minutes. And like that fast, it's like sort of like it's on fast forward and the relationships, like I don't think they're given a ton of time to like simmer and you don't really get a lot of time to spend with the characters. It's like um, Zack Snyder's Justice League in the way that he like pushes all these characters together and expects you to care about them when you haven't really learned to know them. Okay, I love that you're still getting a Zack Snyder dig on every single one of these podcasts that you're on. I've I've really missed that. <laughs> uh, but no, it's not really like Zack Snyder's Justice League. But I do see what you're saying that I I really appreciate the 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 reach there to to get a <laughs> Justice League dig. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I guess I guess you could say it's like that in the sense that there's a whole bunch of these people that are on this quote unquote team and you don't really know many of them and they're only there like yeah that sounds exactly like justice <laughs> yeah but there's no dude with cgi balls <laughs> suddenly on the face, flash so. is there and you're like why do i ezra miller sucks like <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't suck uh whatever fine yeah but yeah, I mean, I will say that Jennifer Lopez is really good. Like, I would have no qualms with her getting nominated for Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress or whatever. And there's, like, moments in the film that are really good. Like, there's, like, really good shots sometimes, and they use some clever sound design to make some things effective. And then there's a really good metaphor or simile, I don't know, whatever, like, between these strippers that are kind of like society considers them as like a little bit below and you know, whatever. And people look down on them, but then their clientele is also these wealthy wall street businessmen that are also kind of sleazy and uh, awful and actually not also, but just more so Mm -hmm. than anything that, that the, uh, the strippers do in this movie. So it, it's playing with this interesting idea of like vigilante justice and like who deserves what and like, corporate America and everything like that. So I think there are some interesting things in that. But ultimately, I think like the pace doesn't really work for me and I wouldn't recommend it. Like, I don't think you need to see this movie in theaters at least. Like, it's not a bad movie. I just like didn't, I, maybe I was too, I had too high of hopes or something because of all the rave reviews. And if I had seen this just on Netflix or something, I would have been like, oh yeah, solid movie, whatever. But yeah, it's, it's also not particularly like fun like i feel like my favorite part of like the crime breaking bad movies is like learning the ins and outs of everything right Mm -hmm. and like knowing how they do it and oh who who are the characters involved and all of that is crammed into like 30 minutes so all of that a lot of the stuff that you would expect in a heist movie uh is done off screen so okay i don't know not my cup of tea but (laughs) a lot of people love it so who knows okay so this has been our review of Britney Runs a Marathon. Johnny, Ian, thank you both for joining me this week. Of course. Uh, I think this episode was really awesome, really unique, and I had a lot of fun talking with you guys. You are both welcome back anytime, um, but hopefully we can have both of you guys back like in a few months and we can discuss how training's going before the marathon. Maybe we'll review another running movie or something. So Ian, is there anything you'd like to plug? I would like to plug my friend Mati's fundraiser for ALS. Oh, thank you. I, I can't remember the link to it. So yeah. Just look in the notes of the podcast. Cool. Okay. <laughs> and what about you, John? I'm going to ditto that. When I heard he was doing this, I was immediately touched by it. Um, I had a 
the unique privilege of being coached by Bruce, if only for one year, it was still an absolutely amazing year. And I grew so much as a runner and a person during that year. So I will be supporting Mati's um, fundraiser and I hope anyone else who listens to this will also. Well, thank you guys. Um, Yeah, I mean, I would really appreciate any support that anybody can give. This does mean a lot to me. Um, And like I, I worked pretty hard to try and figure out how to do everything. So I really do want to try and get as much money supported as possible. Um, so again, the website is pledgeit. That's P-L-E-D-G-E-I-T dot org and uh, backslash run dash Boston dash A-L-S. The intro music for this episode is a piece called Work by Kevin McLeod, and you can find more of his work at incompetech.com. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and find out when we release new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMarapod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MovieMarapod. That's Movie, M-A-R-A, pod. I'm just staring at Ian while I'm saying all this. (laughs) He looks so cute right now. You can't see him, but... (laughs) Glistening with sweat from my run. (laughs) Just gorgeous. Um, You can always reach out to us at our email, moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. You can find more episodes of this podcast at Podbean at moviemarathoners.podbean.com. And we are also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. So please subscribe or write a review if you like what we're doing. And any feedback you have to help improve the podcast is always appreciated. So thank you all for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through, I don't know, TBD, we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> I mentioned last time that I want to get like an Emmy thing going. Um, so maybe we'll, I'll try and you put that together. You want to win an Emmy? Yeah, I want to win a creative Emmy, take it away from like Honest Trailers, right? As like a web <laughs> thing. No, um, I want to talk about the Emmys that's this weekend. So I'm hopefully I can get something put together with that. Um, but we'll see. So please stay tuned. And until then, bye. Bye. Peace. Woo. All right, sweet. We're done. Yay! How was that? I wanna know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just your basic average girl. And I'm here to save the world. You can't stop me because I'm impossible. Okay, all right. So then we're not here until nine. We'll get started. So I'm going to do an intro, and then I'm going to say, Ian's back, blah, blah, blah. How are you today, Ian? And you're going to be like, what? And then I'm going to be like, okay, also joining us. That is us. how today is going, yeah. <laughs> and then also joining us is our friend and teammate, Johnny. Johnny, how are you? And then I'll talk about what we're going to be doing today. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.